Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio, bringing to you one of my favorites from the archives. Enjoy this episode as we put together a brand new format for you to enjoy starting at the beginning of the year 2022. I'm looking forward to that. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I have a a new friend with me today. This is Stephen Iverson. Say hello, Stephen. Hello. So glad you're here today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be your guest today. I'm used to listening to you. Is that right? That Well, <laughs> folks, for, for those of you who are listening, I listen to a program called Voices of Experience, which is put out by the National Speakers Association. You know that I'm a member of that. And Stephen, I met you in Washington, D.C. recently. Yes. The where we had our national convention. And Stephen is... The voice behind the voices of experience. So you interview people for that program. I do. And so this is a big switch. Turn I'm on the, the other on side you. of the microphone. That's cool. <laughs> I've also learned some things about you that really resonate with what we're doing here at Live On Purpose. And you've identified, right, through your career, through your life, certain principles that allow people to do what our show title suggests, to live on purpose. Yes, I have. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Very good. And your experience. Give us just a, a quick take on where you're coming from, what you do. Introduce yourself a little okay. bit to our listeners. Well, I started a leadership development firm after mm-hmm. a, a career that I had uh, serving as a, a minister and working with crisis management and got to a place where I saw that there was a lot of other opportunities being missed that I right. wanted to to touch base with, other groups that I didn't necessarily have an audience to. And so when I started my business, I started speaking. Mm. And that that path led me to conversations with many other people who uh, were either successful in their mm. own rights, in their life, their business, and also people who were not finding success. Success, that's a hot button. It is. And how's it defined? Right, exactly. And so I started looking at those that seemed to really be getting where they wanted to go in life mm-hmm. and comparing that to those that were struggling and wondered, well, what's the difference between those? We like to say there are those who are living the dream and then those who are dreaming of living. Uh, what's the difference yeah. between those? So that started my research and study and the conversations with those that were finding that place of personal success. This is so interesting to me because as a psychologist, my whole business has been around getting into people's heads, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out what makes them tick. What is it that, that really matters to people or makes a difference to them? And this word success, I mentioned that's a hot button Yes, because we define it differently. And some of the messages that are out there in the mainstream media or in our culture uh, don't particularly resonate with me in terms of how I would 
define success. Mm-hmm. And you and I've chatted a little bit about this. Share what, what your take okay. is on that. My definition of success is not about fame or fortune. It has more to do with contentment. Contentment. Contentment, absolutely. Okay. People who, in my estimation, those that really intrigued me as successful were content with where they were in their lives, mm-hmm. but also had a little hint of discontent, uh. a hunger to continue to grow. They were people who influence, influence their families, their communities, maybe their businesses, and mm-hmm. they saw a much bigger picture. And their success was more about how they are helping others, not so much about how they were helping themselves. Right. So that discontent was, what else can I do? to make a difference. And then the return for themselves was an incredible reward. It might be financial. It might be uh, of interest Mm -hmm. uh, from the community or esteem of some kind, but that wasn't their end run goal. Mm -hmm. Their goal was to have the influence. And so for me, that that was the beginning point of understanding what really good success could be. And I've met people who have yeah. nothing in the bank that were highly successful because they were living right where they knew they needed to be. And then others yeah. who have that measure of success by standards of the world of a big bank account, but it really mm-hmm. didn't matter to them. So there's a little paradox here that I'm picking up on. Mm-hmm. It's one that I've noticed a lot too. There's, there's this feeling that we get that indicates that we're successful. So you called it contentment. Yes. And yet that's coming right up against this opposite feeling, discontent. It's almost like you have to you have to get comfortable with being discontented. I don't know if that's even a word, Stephen, is it? <laughs> well we just made it up. We can make up words <laughs> yes, if we, we want can. to. You see where I'm going with that, though? Mm-hmm. So there's this discontent that's just a natural part of being a human being mm-hmm. and being actively involved in creating our own life. Yes. And that feeling tells us, hey, there's still something to do. Exactly. Oh, and, that, and I think for me, that was my journey. I was having mm-hmm. a very good career, enjoying the work that I was doing, but there was still something missing. And I, I felt that little measure of discontent and mm-hmm. had to sit down and slow down and say, okay, I'm choosing in many ways, to follow the path that I've seen others lead right. and take down and, and had for myself success based on their measurements. Yes. But something still in my heart stirred me to pursue that one thing that seemed to be missing. And what was mm-hmm. that? And for me, it was looking at a different way to connect with a greater audience, a different audience that maybe wasn't hearing some of the things that I was learning. Yes. So my discontent led me to what do I need to learn mm-hmm. in order to move in that direction? And probably more importantly, Dr. Paul, was what do I need to let go of? Uh, right. It's those things that we're clinging to that sometimes keep us from feeling that we're successful. Mm-hmm. It's like we keep telling ourselves this story about, well, I'll be happy when... Yes. Or after, or if, or upon completion of. Yes. Whatever it is. And then we complete that thing. And what do we feel? There's still some discontent. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad sign. It's not a bad sign. It's a good sign. Uh, to me, it's kind of like riding a bicycle. If I'm mm-hmm. turning the corner and I hit a little pebble or something that just throws me off balance slightly, mm-hmm. I automatically, without really processing in my brain, 
make an adjustment. I right. seek that point of balance again. And in some cases, I look for grass to dive into. Yeah. But I know that I need to, I need to correct something and mm-hmm. get that balance again. For me, the discontent's like that. That little discontent means there's, a, there's an imbalance. Right. And I need to pay attention to that imbalance because it's telling me that it's time to make a correction or to adjust so that I can be more successful in the, in the future or what's coming next, right. maybe what's around the corner. And it does not mean that you're not successful. No, no, it doesn't That's where mean that. a lot of people misinterpret this, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Where they get to, to a place of, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this discontent in my life, whether that's pain or a yearning of some kind or just a, a noticing that something could be better than it is. And instead of interpreting that as, ah, my life's out of whack and this is terrible and this is bad, like you're saying, just see that as an indicator that a course correction yes. could bring you to a higher level of success yes. or happiness or satisfaction, That's whatever right. we want to call that. And sometimes that, and going back to the thought of having to let some things go, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I had to let go of success I've already had, things that helped me to get oh. where I was at. And you can only go so far depending on those things that have brought you to the point that you are. That's right. If I want to go further and I want to improve and develop, I can't keep depending on the skill set I already have. I've got to learn some new skills, but it's easy to just stick with what I know because this is what makes Mm -hmm. me perceived as successful in my own mind as well as my peers. Mm -hmm. If I keep doing that, then I'll be successful. But what I learned was, and I'm still learning it even now, Mm. uh, if we don't keep growing, we get left behind. Right. And growth, I'm just thinking of of this concept that you're introducing to us, growth, development, improvement. The process of doing that is one of the things that brings us that feeling of success. Yes. So if there's nothing to improve, I don't have any opportunity to create that feeling. That's right. So I need to learn to embrace that moment of that that discontent, the or, discontent. or that, a little discomfort, mm-hmm. it's okay. That's a signal. That's now time to grow a little more. It's an opportunity. Absolutely. Presenting itself to you. Yes. So, Stephen, you've got somewhat of a reputation for being a leadership expert, um, someone who's able to coach uh, companies, organizations, individuals yes. through this process of creating higher levels of success in whatever endeavor they're involved with, whether it's family or or business. And maybe I'm overreaching there. Would you say that the principles apply to all of those oh, contexts? I, be, I, be, I do believe they apply to all those contexts, the personal, family, uh, nonprofit association groups, uh, maybe a work team, and also a larger business concept. There mm-hmm. are some things that we can pay attention to that will help us go from where we are to where we know we need to be. I call it the gap conversation. Get a plan. Oh. That's all gap means to go. me is, okay, here's where I'm at. This is where I see we need to be. Mm-hmm. And most of us, we see the chasm between the two and the we panic gap. and go, oh, it's the gap. Yeah. Well, it's just simply a new opportunity to get a plan. And when we get a plan, mm. we start thinking and we go through a process to bring ourselves to the place where we're achieving 
that destination or that mm-hmm. goal that we wanted, but at one point seemed so far away and unachievable. It seems so simple. Get a plan. That is. Yeah, it's get a plan. But most of us react, find some sort of uh, anxiety or begin to root ourselves in excuses as to why we mm. can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's why people someday say, well, you know, this is the way we've always done it. Right. And just fall back to that default and mm-hmm. and this all stinks, but there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Yeah. So what's the process? Where does where does someone start? Let's say that, well, I, th- I think I'm hearing from you that maybe a first important realization is you're feeling discontent. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right. Right. We give a thumbs up it's to okay. that. It's okay. That's right. That's okay. Yes. But then reinterpret it right. as an opportunity or as a, a, a guidance. I'm thinking about a story that you shared with us yesterday with our chapter about racing porcupines. Yes. And, and how they need to be directed. Right. Can you give just a quick summary sure of that so people can. know what I'm talking about? They I think agree. I'm crazy. No, well, and, and people hear me tell the story and they think I'm making it up, but it's true. I saw the pictures. There's a little town in Idaho that has every 4th of July the World Championship Porcupine Races. Uh-huh. And I was a little boy and lived in this community when these races got started. Right. And there's a strategy and the goal is to get a porcupine, that prickly partner, uh-huh. from a starting point to a finish line. But the conflict is the porcupines typically don't like to go in straight lines, don't like to run, and usually like to hide or run in circles. So somehow the teams have to persuade the porcupine to get to that place, but they can't force them. Right. They have to use certain tools. They use a broom, uh-huh. they use a trash can, and they've learned to use boundaries or a fence. A fence. So that it's more, a little bit more contained. The broom, I think, is probably the, the most fascinating part of the analogy because the broom is about persuasion. Mm-hmm. You can't push, poke, or prod your porcupines against the rules. can't just swat it along. You cannot. You're not allowed to do that. You'll be warned. If you continue, you'll be disqualified. But when the porcupine begins to move in a direction that's not preferable, you just place the broom in front of its nose, and it can see now for itself, this isn't an option available to can't me. can't go that way. And so it looks mm-hmm. for a new direction, and hopefully it's a redirection. Now, bring that back to our lives. When we have that little moment of discontent, sometimes what we need to look for is the evidence that says these really are not healthy options. Mm -hmm. So then turn and look for new options that move you towards your goal and not back to where you've always been. Right. Mm -hmm. I think there's more we can do with this analogy. When we come back from this break, folks, we're going to look into how else are we like these porcupines and where can we go from there? This is Stephen Iverson at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. 
drpauljenkins.com. And we're back. It's it's fun, folks. You guys don't get to hear this because you're listening to the other stuff while Stephen and I are continuing to have a conversation. And he said something about good leading. With and I said, Stephen, that's my broom. That's right. You are the porcupine, right? <laughs> that's right. I'm trying to lead you to this place, and it, it just occurred to me that this is a pretty good analogy mm-hmm. because the things that happen in our life throw up certain barriers in front of us. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you don't get to succeed. It probably means this isn't the direction right. toward that success. That's right. So Absolutely. I had a little aha moment. That's good. <laughs> and so did I. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can think back right now. There have been times in my life where there was a broom. There was evidence that I probably shouldn't keep going that direction. Yeah. But I had in my mind, whatever was beyond that, that's mm-hmm. where I wanted to go. And I would push, I'd try to push my way through it only to be pushed back. And then I'd get to the place where I would almost want to just give up because mm-hmm. it wasn't getting the progress I wanted. And then the moment I got to that point of saying, okay, that was the letting go of my intentions, my plan. And then seeing there were some other options right there the whole time, some open direction yeah. with no obstacles but they weren't on my mind until I got to the point of saying, okay, that doesn't work. What else is available? And I think that's what the yeah. porcupines in the race find is, that, okay, this doesn't work. So where else do I turn? And when they turn, they see open field and an opportunity to run. Right. Which they don't even have access to as long as they're hanging on to whatever it is that they're already thinking. That's right. Wow. You know what? There are so many great applications for this. As as we go through life and we come up against those barriers, really? Barriers? Mm-hmm. What if we just rethink that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Our perspective isn't the same. Right. So if I'm the porcupine, I don't see the entire course. No. I don't know how to get where I'm going. Right. But that person with the broom does. Right. Yeah, they have a better sense of the direction mm-hmm. and where we need to go, and they have a plan to help us get there. And it's finding that way to cooperate yeah. together. Stephen, you're a, a parent. Yes. And a grandparent. Yes. We've talked about that a little bit as uh, we've... We're, we're on a roadie, you guys. Um, we've taken Live On Purpose on the road. We are now in Boise, Idaho. We're just about to go to an event. Uh, but we had a few hours in the car. We did. To have some conversations. And I'm seeing some analogies to parenting. I remember uh, when my kids were younger... I used to take them hiking on Mount Timpanogos by our home in, in Utah. And this is a, a, an amazing, majestic mountain. As you go up in elevation, your view improves. Yes. And the analogy that, that makes sense to me here in terms of vision is that, yes, my view is really great from where I am. Right. And, and parents, don't discount the view of your children. They see the world better than they ever have. That's true. <laughs> now, do they see it like you do? No, no. Of course, they haven't been hiking as long as you have. But the higher you get on that mountain, the better perspective, the more this vista opens up to you. Mm-hmm. So with that perspective, as you're looking, you know, as a parent, have you ever felt this way? Where it's like, no, don't go that direction. Mm-hmm. 
and your kids are like, I'm Ike in here. That's right. And see, just fine. Uh-huh. Get out of my face. <laughs> right? Yes. Parents aren't any smarter necessarily than their kids, but they've been hiking longer. Right. Yeah. And that's the perspective thing. So what if we were all humble enough to realize, you know what? I don't see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. If this barrier is coming up in front of my nose, maybe it's just a little nudge, right. a little redirect. That's right. Well, and in the porcupine races, when I was a kid, they didn't have a fence that defined the course. Oh, boy. It was just a crowd of people who would gather around the city park. And, of course, when a porcupine runs at a crowd, the crowd scatters. <laughs> and the porcupine's now off course. But eventually, they decided a, a good fence around the course would be would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, the porcupine will get loose and head towards that fence. But that fence, all of a sudden, becomes the boundary. Mm-hmm. That says, no, we don't go beyond this point. But it doesn't mean that there isn't more room for the porcupine Mm -hmm. to function, to make choices, and to stay engaged. And as a parent, that was something that I had to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oftentimes, I made the boundaries a little too tight. And it felt restrictive. When I learned to stretch the boundaries out a little bit and then give my kids permission... Mm-hmm. As long as they stayed within these healthy boundaries that I know are good for them. Right. And then give them that permission to figure out their way within those, within boundaries. those boundaries that engaged them more. Mm-hmm. And it also taught them to make better choices. It helped them to be wiser. They learned from some prickly moments. Mm-hmm. They got stuck. My job is to help them get unstuck. And that's where I would bring back the, the broom of persuasion. Yeah. And for me, it's what you did a moment ago. You asked me a question and it led my thoughts to a certain direction. A certain direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a question or a statement. Sometimes all we right. have to do is point the obvious out to our kids and say, if you keep going that direction, where, where do you think that's going to lead you? And, and they look down the path and go, oh, there's a cliff there. Hmm, probably shouldn't huh. go. What do you know? They'll come to that conclusion. Sometimes all we have to yeah. do is point out where those particular boundaries are. Right. And they respond well. So that they look up from their head and the other stuff. Right. To see more clearly what it is that you want them to see. Yes. You talk in a different way about some things that have been sometimes overused. The comfort zone. Yes. For example. Oh, yes. You've got a little take on that that's a little different. I do. Yeah. I, care to share that? I got tired. I'm sure your listeners and uh, most most people get tired of people telling us, yeah, you need to get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. I, I personally yeah. just can't stand it when somebody says, get out of your comfort zone. The minute we say that to an individual, we cause a couple of things to trigger in their mind. One is, how am I failing? Because mm-hmm. if you were implying that I'm not getting where I need to be, well, then somehow I failed. And secondly, uh, it pushes them to what I call really the the um, uh, the panic zone. I was just thinking anxiety. It does. It's like, oh, no, I can't go out there because that's scary to me. And by definition, I will be uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So mo- what most of us do is we retreat to our comfort zone. Yeah. The sure. minute I'm told, get out of your comfort zone, I go back to it and go, well, why? Well, the comfort zone is comfortable because it's safe. Mm-hmm. I know this place, this this space well. I'm successful here. Mm-hmm. What I do is good. That's why it's comfortable. Right. And then there's that gap between where I am and where I probably need to be. And what is what is it that I have to do to get there? It, because I desire to be there. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes I'm told I need to be there and I don't want to go. If if an employer says, this is where you need to be, and I'm going, I really don't want to do that. But if I want to be employed, I probably need to learn how to do that. Right. But I've got to somehow deal with this comfort zone issue. So I call it the power of the comfort zone. And what I teach, Mm. what I teach business groups and leaders uh, in all kinds of environments is stop saying, get out of your comfort zone and start helping people grow their comfort zone. Grow it. Grow it. Expand it. So that you're comfortable with more things As that you weren't go. there before. That's right. So I have a, a little system. We start with our comfort zone, and then we just move the circle out a little bit, and I call that next level the contemplation zone. If I'm going to get where okay. I need to go, what do I need to think differently about? Mm-hmm. What questions do I need to ask? What kind of things do I need to learn to get there? It's like you go there mentally first. Absolutely. Pay and I'll visit. do that in a conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a team of people are working with me and I can tell some of them aren't sure about where to go. Well, let's talk and let's think about what we could do and get people engaged in that process. Children do this all the time. Little kids especially. I love right. watching my granddaughters. They're learning new things. Well, they can see in their mind something they desire, mm-hmm. but they've not mastered the skills yet to do it, but they can tell they should be able to do that. Right. Their little brains go right into the contemplation zone and they start thinking, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And they soak up all kinds of things. Once they've thought about it, they determine a couple of things they want to try. And that's where we then move the circle out just a little bit more. and We call that the creating zone. Uh-huh. It's where we get to test. We try things that we've never done before. So a child who hasn't learned how to walk yet starts getting up and starts walking around the furniture or holding onto your pinky or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. And if they fall, if they let go of a table and they fall, they cry, but it's usually not because they were hurt. It's because they're indignant the fact that I should have been able to do that. It's not how it went in my head. It's right. (laughs) And so they go back to, and they keep creating until they get comfortable Mm. enough to let go and to begin to take the steps and suddenly they're doing it. Which leads us out to that very last circle where now we've gone from comfort zone to contemplation zone to creating to what I call the confidence zone. Hmm. Because all of a sudden I'm reaching the goal I'm an, I'm, and I'm confident. Yeah. And suddenly that's comfortable. Now that becomes your new comfort zone. It is. It is. Now most adults yeah. don't do what children do. Children will get out hmm. to that creating zone, fail, have a have a barrier, and they will go back only a little bit to the contemplation. They'll go back to thinking, okay, that didn't work. What else do I do? Rethink this. Adults will go from that creating zone and then hitting a a barrier and suddenly race all the way back to the original comfort zone and say, see, I told you it wouldn't work. Yeah. And that's our trap. Crawl back down in the hole. They do. And they give up. But those are, as we mentioned before, who are successful have a measure of content, mm-hmm. but a little discontent, they get to that place where they hit those moments of imbalance and they go, okay, well, let's step back and think. What else can we do? And then they test it again until it becomes comfortable. They're really more childlike in that way. Very much so. Isn't that interesting? Yes. It is. It comes down to some really basic principles that somehow, as life beats us up a little bit, we tend to abandon that and, like you said, retreat back into the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. When really, the success, the happiness, lies in being willing to experience the failure. And that's another word we could redefine, isn't it? Yes. 
I love John Maxwell's idea about failing forward. Yes, I do too. And it, it, Robert Kiyosaki, if you want to succeed, start failing faster. That's right. Love it. Yes. Because that, as we rethink that, then, okay, this failure is just that broom in my nose saying, nope, this isn't the direction, mm-hmm. but keep looking. Right. Keep looking. Don't give up. And keep learning. And keep learning. Just, just keep learning. Okay, that didn't work now. What do I do? And I think for most yeah. people, when it comes to really having that place of contentment, it's, it's really, if we can just maybe unpack that a little bit, it's getting that place where you have that personal sense of satisfaction of having achieved. Right. And that feels so good. You know, we, we try to motivate people with rewards and games and little things, but really the, the thing that motivates most of us, especially thinking back about children, is getting that place where you can see in the child's face, I did it. Yeah. I actually did it. And they're so happy with themselves because they yes. stuck it out until they achieved. Look at daddy, I'm riding a bike. Look at, I climbed the tree. Look at, I'm... And we still yeah. as adults want that feeling of achievement. And there's this moment of pure joy and celebration of life the way it is right now where I am. Yes. And and without diminishing that, it moves almost seamlessly into, okay, what's next? Right, right. It's an energizing you're the motivational speaker who doesn't believe in motivation. I thought that was going to be our secret. We weren't going to tell anybody about that. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Do you still want to hire Stephen to speak at your event? Uh, but with that clarification, it's it's not just about being motivated. Right. How would you summarize that? Just as we close this okay. interview today. I'd well, I can like tell you that what for me was the turning point of understanding motivation and why I don't believe in motivation. Because I was having a conversation with a gentleman who was in his early 90s. Mm-hmm. He was one of those people I looked at that was just influential, still very vibrant, maybe frail physically, but just really having an impact on the people around him. Right. And I wanted to know, what is it that really makes you tick? What's going on? And I asked him a question I've asked everybody else. I said, Willard, every morning when you get up, could you tell me what motivates you? And he looked at me and he said, Stephen, I don't do what motivates me. I do what matters. Mm. And that for me was an aha because I realized some days I'm not motivated. I don't feel it. Right. Or, or what motivated right. me in my early years of adulthood doesn't motivate me now. It what changes, motivated me it? a week ago maybe doesn't motivate me today. Yeah, sure. But I know what matters. And sometimes it doesn't feel good to do the things that matter. Mm-hmm. But being faithful to it because I believe in that purpose, I still do it. And that's what leads us to that place of achievement, contentment, or as you want to define it, a success. That feels good. Yes. And that's it, folks. That's the way you live on purpose, according to Stephen Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. I know that's not everything you know, Stephen, but that may be all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for being here at Live On Purpose Radio. How do people get in touch with you in connection to what it is you're doing? Is there a website? Is there somewhere you'd like? Yeah, let me give you my website. It's spelled S-T-E-V-E-N-I-W-E-R-S-E-N 
Com. I worsen. Yeah, but we use a we'll W to mess speech. people up. Right, just yeah. to play with their minds. That's right. Yeah, we do that. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, all of you listeners. It's time. Go out there and live on purpose. Mm-hmm.